Hey, everybody, I'm Larry Little, and you're listening to Crossing the Line, a podcast where I talk with people about the moments in their life when they cross the line from leading with their heads to leading with their hearts. And today on the show, I'm having a conversation with someone who knows all about that. His name is Charlie Meyer, and he's an entrepreneur, leader. Uh, Charlie has certainly uh, learned to lead with his head and his heart and has a unique organization that that he leads with his partner. And uh, you're going to enjoy today's uh, conversation. Charlie's not only is he a good guy, he's got a lot of wisdom. And his life story is incredibly interesting because it's all linked together as he uses the events and choices he's made in his life to become who he is today as a successful entrepreneur. Uh, It's a fun conversation. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. So let's jump into the conversation with Charlie Meyer right now. Well, today on Crossing the Line, I have met a friend. His name is Charlie Meyer. And I'm going to tell you, honest, I'll be honest, I haven't known Charlie very long, but boy, I sure do like him. Um, We've just already met and talked a little bit, and I think you're really going to like him. Uh, I think you're going to have an appreciation for his story. So Charlie, Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to Crossing the Line, my friend. Thank you, Larry. I appreciate the, the work you're doing here and uh, I'm humbled to, to, be, to be here with you. Well, it certainly is an honor for us. Charlie, let's, let's start off. Let's tell you what, let's do a big picture. You're an entrepreneur. Um, you, you, you own a company. Uh, you, you live in uh, Indianapolis. Is that right? What, what's the name of your, let's just jump right there for a sec. What's the name of your company? Uh, we have a company called Threefold. It's a it's a private equity style company that uh, we basically invest in real estate and property services through trusted partnerships. And a couple of just really unique things. When I say private equity, I always like to qualify this a bit. We we are first of all we're self funded, so we don't raise dollars. For a big part, we don't want to be beholden to anybody else's expectations of, of the return mm-hmm. on the capital, so we can make really long term decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're permanent capital, so we are not looking to buy a company and build it up and sell it. We're really looking to hold uh, long-term again, lets us make really long-term decisions um, with our companies. And uh, we do it through a partnership model where we have a minority shareholder. That's the president, the entrepreneur in that business. And we invert the power structure and really just exist to support them and provide a climate for uh, of growth for them. And so that's kind of what we do. Charlie, it's a bit different that, that, um, investment equity firm you, you have is different. It, it's different for a reason. And so we're going to go, we're going to pause that and we're going to come back to that. We're going to go back now for a bit. Cause I want, you, you know, you've heard from, from Charlie and, and you've, you've told us that this, this organization you have, while it has a, maybe a traditional name, it's not traditional in the way it does business. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason you do things differently, which is why we're talking today. So I'm pretty excited about that. So we're going to pause there. We'll get back there and let's go learn about Charlie. So take me back to you or, you know, where were you, where were you born? Let's, let's go back to a six or seven year old. Who was Charlie and where was he at, at that age in life? Yeah. Well, I, uh, I grew up in, in rural Ohio, um, in a little town called Morrow, Ohio, which is, uh, just North of Cincinnati. Um, and if you're from the Midwest, I usually tell people a landmark is there's an amusement park called Kings Island, um, yeah. just north of Cincinnati. And so I, it's out kind of near there. Um, and I had a bit of an unconventional upbringing in that my grandparents were my main caregivers and uh, my mom and dad were divorced uh, before I can rem- you know, have any memories. So um, I just remember 
living with my grandparents and my mom being there as well. Uh, but I always, I always like to say like, Hey, my, my story is a little different, but it's not like a sad one. It's not like right. it was me in any way. Like it's, I had a lot of love. I had a, a great stable environment that my grandparents provided. My mom and dad were still around, um, just very different kind of setup, um, and how I, how I grew up. So, um, in the first grade, uh, we moved uh, out to this Morrow area and lived on the corner of my great uncle's farm. So we, we had a little, um, you know, one acre lot that we bought that we put a modular home on and uh, lived on the corner of this farm. So, which was a lot of fun because I had a lot of woods and, and uh, just independence to explore as a, as a young, young guy. And uh, you know, but when I look back, I was, we were pretty poor, you know, now I, now I kind of understand that a bit better. Um, we never felt like unstable. Like I didn't know where a meal was going to come. Not like that sort of thing. Right. right. But we certainly didn't have what I saw others around me, even in the little <laughs> ecosphere of, of Morrow, right. Ohio, right. those differences. Huh. Um, and, uh, like a couple of things that stand out to me is that my, my, uh, grandmother was a seamstress. And so she, uh, she could make just about anything. And what would, what, what would happen is, is that, you know, there, there were, whatever the designer jeans back in, you know, the early eighties were, you know, like, uh, you know, we couldn't afford those. So what she would do is she would just mock, mock them up and make my jeans for me. Right. Like that sort of thing. So I'd have something wow. similar style or whatever. That was kind of the way we engaged, which was always a little bit, you know, I knew the difference, right. It's, um, right. we didn't have that, but that's kind of how it was, or we had, um, you know, just always had hand-me-down cars that were always just breaking down and that sort of thing. <laughs> right. Uh, and I remember, I remember that my, we had one that was so loud that when my grandpa would come to pick me up from basketball practice, you could hear it from outside the school. Like, so you know, people would be like, Hey, you know, your ride's here, you know, type of thing. And, uh, I, I remember that <laughs> me saying like, Hey, maybe you pick me up a little late, you know, like just so that it's not like, they don't hear that, that muffler yeah, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Just st- stuff like that. And, and it's funny cause I, I, I think back to that stuff and, um, I realized that like, you know, like I, I, it probably set an ambition in me a bit, um, to, uh, want some other things out of, out of my providing in life. Um, and I, I, I think that, um, as I think about that, I, I I feel like that motivation was out of a bit of like maybe a negative place. Like it wasn't as like a positive motivator. So I've had to redeem some of that over my life a little bit, mm-hmm. but certainly I, I certainly was a motivated um, young guy to, to have a different um, opportunities, even though my, my grandparents did an amazing job. I mean, being so generous and sacrificial to provide me every opportunity. So it's not any sort of disparity back to them, but it's, it's yeah. more, I look back and I realize, man how I experienced that and what it set me on, you know, I, I look back on now and, uh, it led me some good places, but I wish, I wish I could have been a bit more mature about how I maybe thought about some of those things. So here's that word independent. And it's the first thing I think we see in Charlie and we see it in so many leaders growing up. He was, he, he understood how to be independent. He was, he was independent in how he played and, and what he did. And, and you kind of combine that with that ambition that he learned to say, I want to, I want to continue to, to grow, which, which these are characteristics of, of all really strong leaders. Charlie started out with that characteristic of being independent. Well, we, we all 
we all can say that, right? But we look back in, in our lives and you look back in your life and, you know, times were different too, you know, even, even from, from where we are now. And I want you to think back, go back to that, that word. And you said, you know, I was pretty independent. Now, now think about what you did as a young child. Think about in the woods running and then think about children today. I mean, things that I did growing up, I would be like, no, to my kid. No, you're not doing <laughs> You got, you're going to do what? You're going to the creek? Without, no. <laughs> but, but tell me a, bit, a little bit about what was a day like with Charlie out in the, out in the woods? I mean, honestly, like I would, uh, I would disappear. I might be gone six hours, right? Yeah. Like leave with a BB gun and my survival knife and, uh, and leave off into the woods and, um, you know, salamander, you know, fights and catching crawl daddies and things like that, you know, like just exploring out on this what felt like this vast, you know, um, wilderness, right? Like yes. that we could go and explore on this or playing in the barn or, you know, just this stuff like that, that when a friend would come over, that's what we would escape and, and go do and create forts. And, and I mean, I can remember, you know, as a youngster riding my bike, maybe, I mean, seven or eight miles to my friend's house, right. Yep. Like, um, that sort of thing. Uh, that is certainly different than, than what I think of today, but it also influences me because I, it's funny, my wife and I have had this conversation about like, man, we've got to like, let's be conscious of this, right? Like, um, what kind of independence do we want to give to our, I have a, I have some, my kids are, I have a, a daughter that's 10. I have a, a son, uh, and her name's Sabrina. I have a, a son, uh, who's nine, his name's Trey and uh, a son Crosby who's six. And so a couple of years ago, we were talking, we were thinking about this and about like, man, you know, the things we did as a kid, like what, where could we give our kids like that sort of independence, right? right. Like, what could we do? And I remember it was a big, it was a big thing for like us to think about this, but we were like, okay, our kids were doing a little bit of like a, a golf lesson at a, at a, at a, uh, a course that's connected to our neighborhood. We're just like, Hey, we're going to just send them on their bikes. Like they're going to ride through the neighborhood over to this place, which isn't that far, but it's like, you know, they were first and second graders type of thing. It's like, Hey, you're going to go by yourself. And they thought that was the coolest thing ever. Right. Like, but it was, and it was like a stretch for us. And it was interesting to think back about that. Like, man, we were doing way more stuff. Oh my goodness. Uh, back then. And we've got to keep finding these ways to stretch ourselves as parents. It's not our kids problem. It's our problem. That's right. Um, so I love what you said, stretch ourselves as parents. I think that's, that's brilliant. Um, we didn't think anything about it. You know, the, the rule maybe, you know, you, you got to get home before dark, but, uh, and I love, by the way, I got to take you back. Charlie, thank you for, for saying crawl daddies. I haven't heard that in forever. Thank you for that. What fun we used to have with that in the Creek and little crawl dads. That's amazing. So, so you're out there and, and that independence helped you to, to become who you are today. There's no doubt, but now let, let's move up a little bit. And, and uh, you're, you're a teenager, you know, you're in, you're in, you're in your teens, you're in adolescence. What was life like for Charlie and what was going on in your, in your world at that, at that point? Yeah. Well, um, I, I'm, I'm definitely been shaped by team sports. That was certainly something that was part of my life and kind of basketball, football, um, you know, kind of baseball sort of, sort of ways. Um, I, but because we had, uh, I, I wanted, I had, I wanted some things, right. Like that, that we couldn't normally afford. So I got a job at 14 was my, was when I started kind of 
getting a job, going to work and being a busboy and, and a, you know, dishwasher, you know, the things I could find at, at an early age. And so I had to make some decisions kind of early on, like, Hey, um, playing sports year round probably isn't going to work for me. I'm like, I'm going to need to decide. So I started to kind of whittle down like what sports I really wanted to play and started Mm -hmm. giving things like baseball, like I'm going to work so I can get through the summer, you know, that sort of thing. And, um, and so I, I remember some of those decisions, like, like having to decide some of those things, um, which ultimately I don't think is a bad thing. It's just, I, I remember deciding that. Well, you knew it would pop up. It's just a matter of time. It does. And, and every great leader, um, work ethic, he had to, he had to make some decisions. He, he had to go get a job at 14. We can't get away from this, uh, gang. We can't get away from Work ethic, it is directly tied to, to leadership. Um, hard work is what it takes if you're going to be a strong leader. And Charlie does a great job of articulating that. I was shaped a lot by by a, a, a church group that I was a part of, which was kind of interesting. I, I you know, in school, I would have I would have been, uh, you know, it wasn't a big school, so it was, a, you know, a popular kid, you know, in in the you know, the sports circle, that sort of thing. Um, but my friendship groups weren't really founded there. Like I didn't really connect with those, those folks as much as, um, people at, at my church, which was at a slightly different community in, in Cincinnati there. Yeah. It, it kind of pulled from more affluent areas. It just, it was a bigger mix of, of kids and I had a really unique opportunity in, in like seventh grade. There was a group there. Um, that was, it's still around actually. It's called, it's called Mishpaka. And Mishpaka is Hebrew for the word uh, family. And so it became like a performance group. Like it was, uh, it sort of was a choir and it turned into like this performance group that still puts on the same musical that was written, you know, 20 years or to not way more than that. We sound way older than that. So, <laughs> was All right. um, and, uh, we would, we would, um, you know, travel basically the country and put this on for high schools and, and youth groups and stuff. And so that became a, a pretty foundational like friend group for me and, mm. um, and shaping to keep me out of trouble in some ways, but also kind of formed a different, um, friendship group and relationship group that broadened kind of my viewpoint of what's available in life and, and, um, different communities and that sort of thing. Um, and so that was an interesting mix also with the sports thing, because Mm. I had to also make some priority decisions. Like Mm. I had a lead role in in this thing, uh, as I got into high school and what I remember having to decide like a commitment to this group and this mission of this group versus like, would I be willing to miss a varsity game to be part of the tour? of this yeah. right and i remember charlie missing a varsity game and that was not that was not a popular decision right you can imagine from the school side of things right and so um i just remember stuff like that like that that was really shaping for me to have to you know to think about that and then make some principled decisions about what was going to be important to me um through that and what while all this was going on you, you were very you were very active you were in sports you had this performance group that you were in at the same time you realized you had to work and, and there was still work there that if you wanted extra income, right? So, so you're, you're balancing a lot of balls, even as a teenager, you're, you're really, you're making decisions, you're making choices that probably helped your thought process, even all the way up into adulthood, I would imagine. Yeah. So I, I just say that, you know, as I look back though, I realize how 
how small my perspective was. And I still, I, I still kind of carry this with me today. I think mm. I realize I, I probably have such a limited view of what I think I know and what I think how it works, you know? And I look back to then, man, I had like a microscopic view of like how you made money or how, you know, what was, what was possible to do. And, and, um, and so, and it's interesting to me to look back and see how that widened over time to be, to land as an entrepreneur today, which isn't what I would have imagined back then, or even really had understanding that that was possible, if that makes sense. So, well, well like all great leaders, um, you know, you, you're committed to, to growing and learning and, and, and having a different perspective as you grow. That's amazing. So let's go back. Oh, by the way, so you're in this performance group and you said you had a lead role. Are we singing, Charlie? What are we doing? Are you a yeah. singer? Yeah. Singing acting type of thing. That was, that was a, that was a stretch, you know, like to, to, find that part of you, you know, and, and be willing to do that. But, um, it's, uh, it was a really cool, you know, ministry is about kind of teen suicide and a lot of teen issues. So it was an edgy thing for, for a Christian group to kind of do, but it was, uh, um, it was really stretching, but I, some of my really core friendships came out of that. And when I think about like the butterfly effects, kind of that sort of idea really, kind of intrigues me. Like when I think back to how this moment led to this moment, that yes. this moment, there's a lot, I mean, if that doesn't happen, like my life looks really different because the characters and the things that happen in my kind of timeline really based out of those relationships and, uh, including my partnership, my part, my business partner of 20, you know, two years. So, um, it's just interesting to think back to some of those early moments and where they lead you. Wow. That's, a, that is amazing. And you're, you're beginning to, to, to create this timeline and already putting together the, the independence, the work ethic, the, the, the decisions that you had to make. Uh, so, so you're, you're gaining all of these things as you go and, and it's defining you. It is defining you. It's helping you to become who you are today. So now what happened after high school? Did, was college in your future or not? What, what kind of decisions did you make around that? Now we're, let's say we've graduated. What happens? Yeah. Well, you know, all through high school, I ended up dating a girl in this group. Um, that, um, it was a year older than me. And so what that meant was that she, um, went off to, and her family were big Purdue university kind of alumni folks. And so I, along that way, I got introduced to Purdue and, and she was going there. And so I'm like, I'll check that out. I would have never looked at that school um, <laughs> just where I was in Ohio. I just would have not thought about that, but I ended up, um, going to Purdue largely from the influence of being exposed to it through, through that relationship. And, uh, uh, which was a great experience for me. I loved, I loved going to Purdue, but that was an out of state kind of, um, move for me and had to figure out a lot of financial aid stuff and all kinds of things to make that, to make that work, which is also a growth experience. But, um, that was an amazing, um, time for me to go to a kind of come out of a small pond into a very big pond right? um, and experience that, you know, just the world differently through that. But, you know, I really think back and I credit like that relationship and, and, um, her family and stuff for like, if I didn't have that, I'm just not sure I would have thought to broaden out that far. I don't, I just don't know that I would, I think I would have stayed, you know, somewhere local and it might've been fine, but it's just, I wouldn't have had that journey. And, um, I think that's a, I don't know that, that, that to me, like it, I think back to those, those things I, I like loss over. I don't really always think back to man that didn't happen. I think we'll yeah. be able to I have a question for you, Charlie. Maybe you can help me out here. Purdue, let, let's just for a second. We're going to chase one rabbit. We can get back to Charlie. Could you, what? I've never been able to decide. What is a 
what is a boilermaker? I, I just don't know. Could you help solve this problem for me? I have no yeah, idea. What I, don't, I don't know if I can either, but I'm pretty sure it's like uh, it's some sort of worker around like trains of some sort. <laughs> Got it. Okay. A train worker. I get it. Okay. Thank you. That makes a little sense. All right. I, well, I don't know if that's if that does justice. You know, I probably just it might be something you have to edit out of this. So I don't think <laughs> yeah, right if it's not right. <laughs> no, I love it. I love the fact that you that you took a here you are again taking a risk, uh, even though you're following a girl, go, going to a totally different environment and a totally different landscape for Charlie. You're willing to do that and you found the resources to go make that happen. So once again, here's another piece of, of evidence as we look at your life, you're finding resources to do the things that you choose to do. You, you realize my choice comes with some consequences and you're doing that, which is amazing. So so you're at you're at Purdue, you graduated from there, right? Yeah. And then what then what happened? Well I'll tell you, it really the story picks up inside of Purdue. Okay, um, good. I, I, uh, I end up getting in my, my junior year, like I end up getting a packet in the mail from this organization called college pro painters, which, um, basically is like, you know, recruiting folks to, to run a, a painting business in the summertime as, as a college student. So listen to the story as Charlie tells us about his first experience uh, as someone who's running a business or, or running an organization and how he just continued to learn from when at first he wasn't so good at it. And then he figured out what he was good at and leveraged that. It's it's really what leaders do. They they learn from their hard times. They learn from the, the failures. They learn from difficulty. And that's what he did in this case. And this is kind of a, this is a pretty pivotal, pivotal point. Cause I think about like, Hey, if I hadn't been home to get this direct mail piece and I hadn't decided to call, like, man, things <laughs> look really different because, um, you know, being an entrepreneur, I, I, you know, I had seen friends and I'd seen other people do this, but, um, in my mind, the way for me to kind of get to the, uh, to success in life was to go to college and get a good job for a big company or whatever. Right. And that, that was the paradigm I was operating out of. And so, um, this thing was like, okay, well maybe I can make some money in the summer. Cause I got credit card debt. I got all these things that like I'm, I'm to piece right. All together. Right. Yeah. So, so I end up saying yes to this and interviewing, getting the, getting the opportunity to do this. And I did that for two years in college where, uh, you run a business. I mean, you, you, you do the marketing, the sales, the accounting, you hire the the crews, you, you do, uh, you manage the finances, you do all the stuff. And it's a pretty short, you know, it might be like four month window. You do all these things. And, uh, it was the hardest thing I'd ever done. And I had discovered some things, um, along the way I discovered, you know, some of the things I was good at, some of the things I wasn't, the first year was really hard. And then I, um, I realized that, um, when I decided to do it the second year, I was like, man, there are some things I'd do really different now that I've done this one time. And the second year was amazing. I was, you know, where I wasn't working nearly as much, I was made way more money. And there were people, I had good people doing things. There was just like a lot of lessons out of that. Wow. That really changed. And that became that college pro um, it became kind of a fraternity uh, of sorts, like people that come through that and it led to kind of our businesses after, after the fact, but coming out of college though, like I still had this, like, um, I was going to get a job, you know, I even though I'd done this, I'm like, I, I was learning this about myself and I was like, ah, but I, I ended up getting a really good job coming out of college for a company called Aldi foods. Yeah. And, uh, they, what's kind of unique about Aldi, um, 
you know, well, a couple of things. One is they were like, what I learned is they were like the sixth largest retailer in the world at the time. They're, they're a very large grocer, but I didn't right. know anything about them. And I didn't want to work for a grocery store really, but they had amazing starting pay and car and all the stuff that they offered and they, but they recruited people. And so that drew me in and, and a lot of responsibility coming out of school was really interesting. And so I got this job, um, and, uh, come in and, and I was getting hired in the Chicago land area. And, um, one of the, another pivotal, pivotal, uh, kind of moments was I got this job. I, I mean, I, it was great. I mean, I was early in, it was like early in my senior year, I get this job. I know where I'm going to, you know, be going all this stuff. And kind of along the way, I started to think about the fact that I'm, I'm about to move to Chicago. My grand, my grandparents who raised me, right. Are in Cincinnati. Okay. And they're getting older, right. Like yeah. they're, you know, 70 ish, you know, and then that sort of thing. I'm like, you know, if I go to Chicago, like, it's just gonna be harder, right. It's gonna be harder to see them and stuff. And so I decide that I'm going to write a letter because it's back in the time when you wrote letters. Um, I was going to write a letter to uh, the guy, the vice president that hired me to see if they would consider transferring me to the Ohio division. And so I wrote kind of a heartfelt letter of like, Hey, I'm coming no matter what, like I'm not, this isn't an ultimatum, but you know, here are the reasons why if you would consider this, it would, it would be great. Right. Um, and he called me a couple of weeks later and he, he said, he let me know that he had already, he arranged for that to happen. Um, wow. it's of no benefit to him because there's totally separate divisions and he's, you know, sad to, to have lost me as a candidate, but he wanted to, to, you know, to honor the request. And that changed everything because as I got transferred to that division, my very first day, I met my business partner who I knew loosely in high school through my relationships from these other high schools he was a district manager that in that division and our kind of paths reunite, um, in that. And, uh, and which, I mean, honestly, if that doesn't happen, right. Like, but again, life doesn't look like what it does right now. So. Isn't that amazing, Charlie, that, that the decisions that you make continue to have these consequences. I mean, who, who would have thought, but you, once again, you had that leadership capacity to write the letter. To, to, to write a non-threatening, but a heartfelt, you led from with your heart right then, you know, in that, in that scenario, although you were, you were going to, you were going to be there, but you had, as a young man, you had the ability, the EQ, the emotional intelligence to say, let me write a letter from my heart and see if it has results. And, and then because of that, you met your business partner. Wow. That that's amazing. All right. So here you are at Aldi now you're, you're, are you a division manager? Is that what you are? Yeah. So they hire you in as a district manager. They, district, they okay. yeah. And they, they want fresh kids cause they want to teach their way and you know, that sort of thing. I don't want you to come in with the experience, of, which is <laughs> awesome, right. As a, as a 22 year old person or whatever, you're yeah. handed the keys to here's five stores and you got to manage adults and, and, uh, and that sort of thing. So it was, it was a lot. Um, but in, it was really good. And it, it laid a, a foundation of a couple of things. One, one is I realized what I didn't want to do for the rest of my life, um, <laughs> in that job. And, um, I, I'll tell you, I had, I, you know, going to Purdue there, I always tell people there was two things I remember from going to Purdue. Like, I mean, it was great education, all those things, but the two things that a uh, piece of, were a piece of advice from guest lectures, um, no less, but, uh, they were this and it, and it's really shaped some things for me. One is, is that, um, there was this, the idea of like, you should live outside of the United States for at least a year. 
um, because you will get a perspective of the world you live in, right? Like, and, um, and I've always, I haven't been able to do that yet, but it has certainly influenced how we travel, um, how we take extended trips and try to do things that, to help widen our perspectives. Yep. It's really hard to be objective from the inside view, right? So that's, that's carried with me, even though I haven't been able to do that part yet. The other thing is, is that he, this, this guy said, um, if you don't love what you're doing after two years, you should quit because wow. you'll be great at it. Wow. I don't know why that stuck with me. I'm not even sure it's great advice, but it was, it was like, for me, I, that resonated. And so as I was doing this job at Aldi, which was great in so many ways, um, and, and it had this path, they, they showed you for, they always showed you four years in advance, like what your salary was going to be every year that you could just see like, and so it kind of kept you, you know, hooked in. And I realized I don't love this job. It's a good job, but I don't love it. And I'm going to get trapped by this money and I'm going to get trapped by like what, what's here. And, um, I started to explore what, what, what else might be out there. And I had friends that from college pro that had gone on to start. Um, there was another franchise concept, um, that the same group had, it was called Serta pro painters. That uh, was a professional painting franchise. And although I didn't know anything about painting really, other than running this business, um, that became like a, a pathway for me to, to start to explore, like, what would it look like for me to leave this and, and go do that? And one of the things that, um, from college, again, I just didn't have perspective, but I remember doodling around and thinking like, man, if I could, if I had a business, I would want it to be kind of a consulting style business. I, cause I'm, I'm a generalist. I don't, there's not one thing that I, you know, that I want to do right. in my life. I'm not a practitioner of something. So I went, I had this idea of like, maybe it could be like Meyer management or something where I had all these companies that I was interacting with somehow. And that was like my, I didn't have any other perspective than that. So as I started to think about maybe leaving this great job and going out and doing, um, you know, an entrepreneurial move. I also looked at this, this, my friend and, and, and who's now my business partner and said, you know, this guy's got, he, we, we get along great. He, we come at things from different places, but we were, we're pointed at the same thing. And I think we'd be a really good compliment to each other. It would be great to like build something together. And so that became my first big sales job was to convince him who wasn't looking for an entrepreneurial <laughs> idea, um, that, Hey, maybe it would be, you know, um, we should do this together. And, um, that, that kind of started us on a journey of exploring what a business could look like, um, and, uh, spending lots of time once we made a decision that we would do this together, that we would, that we spent time in his parents' office, like, cause they had a computer and we could write a business plan together. And we were going to buy this sort of pro painters franchise in Indianapolis. Um, because I knew a little bit about painting. It was something we were connected to from my college pro days and that'd be our starting spot. And, uh, and so we, we did that. And what's interesting to me is that we got a lot of advice about like partnerships are bad, right? Like they just don't work in business. And we got, um, a lot of counsel that we shouldn't do this together. Wow. Um, and for us, what was interesting is, is one of the things that Aldi taught was to ask the next question. And don't skip over that. That was great leadership um, training that Charlie received. Ask the next question. Uh, don't don't stop with what something appears to be or, or with what someone tells you. Ask the next question. Go a little bit deeper. Wow, that's good stuff. You just don't stop there. You ask, well, okay, well, why don't they work? Right. So that's what we started to begin to, to explore. Like, well, what? 
what don't, why don't they work? So we started talking to failed partnerships um, and started to understand like wh- what happened. And you start realizing that people get into business together in those relationships for, for a lot of wrong reasons, right? Like it's a straight financial relationship or it's people that are trying to, two people are trying to make decisions in the same space. Like you just start seeing like, okay, there's some patterns here. Let, let's think about how we set our relationship up mm. that doesn't mm. have that. Right. So we're 24 and 25 year old guys, you know, trying to think about like, well, what's it look like for us to be, you know, have a more of a marriage relation, a covenant relationship. Um, mm. and, and, um, and we, we, we took some, some thinking from our Aldi days. We had stores in the same city, but we had distinct stores. We'd work together, but we had separate responsibilities. And that kind of led us to think about how would we, make sure we always have separate distinct roles and we just trust each other in the decisions that we're making. And we, we would have kind of a mutual submission relationship where if something's really important to Mark, right? Like, um, and it's medium to me, like I'm going to submit to that, you know, and, and we just kind of have that sort of relationship and that became kind of how we forged forward. And so one of the things we did to start the business, um, I quit because he was on a pay and a half, one and a half pay bands ahead of me. And I had a little bit of experience. So I quit, moved to Indianapolis and he, we split his paycheck. So he literally sent me 50% of his paycheck every month and he would come in on the weekends and we built, um, we started to build the business. And wow. a year later he came in and I trained him on what I knew about the residential side of that business. And then I moved over to the commercial side and started that. And so we just kind of, kind of kept this form of like, wow. we're going to be in the same space. Um, and we're going to be true partners in this. Um, and that's kind of how we, how we started. You know, Charlie, that is amazing. It really is beautiful. It's a, it's a great example of, of a partnership, of a relationship, of a covenant between the two partners. It, it is, um, I love what you said. It, it just is so inspiring. You, you chose to submit to one another. You chose to, to allow, you, know, you may disagree, but that compromise of, you know, really, if it's something that the other person cares about, I'm going to, I'm going to choose to compromise in this. Uh, and then the sacrifice that, that he made. Wow. Sending you half his page. I mean, what a, what a great example of the success and how long have you guys been in partnership together? Yeah. So 22 years. I, we, you know, we started, um, we started roughly 1999 is kind of when we, we kind of first launched the business. And so similar timeline to, to your training group there. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's amazing. And, and I totally connect. I have a, a business partner as well. We've been together a long time and I'm loving that you guys have been together because it is, it is going against the odds. It truly is. And you have to make those decisions and, and uh, it's a, it's a, just a great reminder for us all. So, so you're in this business and uh, you know, I could, I could talk with you all day and we may have to come back, Charlie, this is so rich, but I want to move forward because I want to ask you some questions about your business that you're in, but, but let's, before we go there. So you met your wife, you fell in love and, and you got married. Is that right? Is, is, was this why you were at Aldi? Did you, did you get married at Aldi or what? I, I, you know, my wife and I've been, we've been married for 14 years now. And, uh, and so I met her actually at work. Um, she, she came from one of our companies and, uh, it wasn't one that I was running at the time, but, um, my business partner hired her and, uh, and then we met kind of through that and, uh, and began to date and, and uh, get married from, from that. So my business partner hired my, hired my wife. So Charlie, 
<laughs> you owe your business partner a lot. That greatest sales job you did is paying dividends for you, my friend. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, congratulations on that. And congratulations on your three, I know, just treasures in your life and your children that, that you've mentioned earlier. And and as a dad and as a husband and as an entrepreneur and leader, uh, you, you know, who, who you are is a combination of where you've been and, and you've, you are make, continuing to make great choices. Tell us a little bit about why is it that that your business that you're in right now, why is it that it's different from others who, who may have the same type of business, but, but yours is different. Tell me why. You know, it's uh, a good question. I feel like, you know, one of the things I always, I always like to say is like, you know, we, we are kind of like a 20 year old startup. I feel like our business kind of is evolved to this state and now we've kind of claimed our identity. And as we move forward, so like, for example, like we, you know, started one business and then, um, you know, we started a sec, I went and started the next business. And then we, you know, we kind of started figuring out like, how do you scale? And we were team sports guys. So we, we just, how do you build a team? Let's bring other great people in. And then we, you realize you got to give them more and more responsibility. It's like, well, they could actually run this company. So what if they run this company and we do something, it just kind of evolved, if you will. It wasn't as intentional as we are now. We can look back and we're like, Hey, that that's kind of working for us. Let's formalize that. And, um, and I, so I think we were willing to be, um, have really long-term views of things. So we, we delayed gratification, lots of things reinvested in our people a lot over the years, um, to continue to grow our teams and, and kind of build these businesses. And I think if we would have had a different mindset around that, we would have a very different business today. And I think one of the things that, um, you know, with that is that as we've empowered other people has been a big focus for us is, mm. is it's really about like, how do we continue to give other people the, the, um, the resources and the environment and the things they need to, to be successful. That's just led to a collective success that we wouldn't have had otherwise. So I think there's some just mindsets of like that, of, of, of that nature that has led us to, to, become what we are right now. And now we, we're languaging that we, we've languaged that we've, we've claimed it. And it's like, okay, what's the next 20 years look like knowing what we know now? What does the next 20 years look like? How many times do we think ahead like that? What do the next 15, 10, five years look like? And we make our decisions based on where we want to be. Uh, another great leadership um, tip from Charlie how we invite people, more people along on this journey. And that's kind of what we've been doing. So some of this, it's some, I, I feel like as we talk about it now, it's, we talk about it pretty packaged. We can, we can kind of, but it evolved over time through relationships and team building and delayed gratification and um, that mutual submission. How do we all kind of win? Mm. So I have to ask you this. So, <clears throat> you know, as good as you are, there are times when you probably made a mistake in terms of hiring. There are times when things go wrong or there are times when, when a team member, you know, there just has to be some accountability, right? So when you have to have those hard conversations, all right, honest now, Charlie, who has that hard conversation? You or your partner or both? Who who tend, tends to have those hard conversations when you have to hold a team member accountable or maybe even set them free? How do you, how do you guys handle that? Well, I'll tell you, so it's, it's, it's evolved over time because like what ends up happening is, is that right now my business partner and I at threefold, our immediate like uh, customer, if you will, or who we work with is our partner that runs the brands. So we would never do anything inside of their business is how we would look at it, even though we might own 90% of that company. Um, 
the power structure is kind of inverted. So we would never kind of go into their, their company around them, but we would have engagement with them. So we have a lot of the way we have accountability with them is through um, lots of different one-on-ones things. So we built a kind of a performance culture where it's kind of expected that you're having these conversations. Love it. We teach about having these kind of uh, productive conflict and, and racing to conflict. That's been kind of part of how we've, we've kind of grown up together in that way, that that's true. It doesn't make it, 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 it hard, harder or less hard in things. No, I certainly screw it up all the time, but I think it's, it's been a normalized part of like what you should expect in our business. And so mm-hmm. that makes it a little bit easier that for that to actually have an opportunity to happen. Um, I'd say my business partner is really good at this. He's, he's very direct and can be, and, and can really have those conversations. Well, I've learned from that and I've grown in those areas. Um, we certainly, if we make mistakes, we probably hold on to people too long. You know, we probably have a heart of trying to, to, uh, influence and change things and that sort of stuff. Um, um, we've made plenty of those mistakes, but now it's, it's, you start to kind of, once you start to have this momentum of culture and, and clarity on who you are and what you're about, it tends to attract things that, that, that complement that and things stand out pretty quickly that don't match that. Mm. Um, and so that's a benefit of now of where we're at yeah. in the business stage. Yeah, I, I can see that. I love what you said. We've created a culture of expectation. I love that. So Charlie, as we, as we turn this corner um, and, and we have to close this time together, I want to pick your brain. There are aspiring young leaders, just like you were, who, who are listening to this podcast. There, there are others who are there that are just in a spot where they're saying, hey, what, what would you say? What kind of tips would you give, give me if I do some takeaways, Charlie, that you could help encourage these, these leaders as they're listening to you today? What would you say to them? You know, um, a couple things I would say. Um, well, let me just start with this. I, I think that um, focusing on having a growth mindset is the thing you need to have. Um, I feel like the idea that you're you're always going to be learning, that you um, find a way to help yourself do that, to be curious, to continue to ask questions, to not get fixed in your positions. Um, I feel like that's a really important thing. You mentioned this earlier, and I would I would echo this, is that got to realize that we're always in a state of becoming. And, um, and for me, it's the question is, are we, are we being intentional with that truth? And so are you conscious of that? Are you thinking about that? Um, a pastor, friend of mine and, uh, and just good friend, he would say, you know, what are, what are you be, who are, who are you becoming when you're doing what you're doing? You know, who are you becoming while you're doing what you're doing? And I love the consciousness that question requires, right? As you go through life, um, and because sometimes we don't pay attention, right? And we don't we don't pay attention to the trajectory we're on, and um, you know, one to two degree shift in trajectory leads you someplace totally different. And I, I just would encourage people to 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 be be responsible with that and be intentional with that. And stay conscious of those things. I think about. Um, it makes me think of there's a there's a Matthew McConaughey uh, like speech that he gives like when he gets like a Emmy at some point in his life I don't know when this was but um, what stands out for me about what he talked about he he was talking about somebody asking who who his hero is mm. and he, his response is something around it's himself in ten years and so right. he's he's trying to figure out how to live into being his hero in ten years and yeah. and I think that's part of this growth mindset being intentional thinking about growth. I, 
in our company, we try, we try to decode a couple of things. One is, is that like, Hey, leadership is not about management. It's not code word for management. So don't think about that. Like that way, those are different things. And growing isn't about advancing. Um, you know, like, so like you gotta kind of like, let's, let's talk about what these things are independent because you can grow wherever you are uh, in whatever you're doing. Okay. I had to jump in here so that you would get this, please write this down, put it in your, your phone. What a great, great phrase. Leadership is not management and growing is not necessarily advancement. I love that. And, you know, as a leader, right, like, you know, that's about influence. And we want, you know, for us, we're trying to attract people. And I think this is just good advice, right? You want people that want to grow themselves uh, personally, that they have just a heart of service and and, um, an outward look that they want to grow people around them, regardless of position. We know that that grows business, right? And so um, in general, um, and so we we want that sort of relationship. So I just invite people to, to that just works for life. You know, how do you grow yourself? How do you help others around you grow? Um, that's a big part. Charlie, you are incredible. I, I could listen to you. I'm learning from you. I hope we can get together and have coffee again. I hope we, you and I can can have another meeting and and who knows, maybe even face to face because you're so incredibly rich in what's important and and those are those characteristics that that ex- those experiences that have made you who you are today. And uh, wow, your company is is just so inspiring. Thank you for sharing this. You, you've made a difference today. You've you've uh, shared, and, and I know it's always difficult um, for great leaders to talk about themselves. But thank you for allowing us to have a peek inside of of your life. And we want you to know, we here at Crossing the Line, the Eagle Center for Leadership, we're very just honored to to made a new friend. And I hope that we can get together again and uh, and talk some more and, and maybe even flip. I have like have all these questions in my head <laughs> that I want to I want to ask you so we're going to have to follow up with this and have another conversation but thank you for being on crossing the line today well it's my pleasure and I I like to say I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where where I found bread you know that's a famous quote and I, I feel like that's just true right like I've had a lot of people pouring to me over over time and I'm happy to share mm. um, those learnings so well you sure have thank you Charlie appreciate thank it you. Well, there you have it. The story of Charlie Meyer, really interesting how he he wove together his life, the moments in his life, those poignant decisions, if you will, in his life that he made that led him to where he is. That's why it's so important that when we're aware that we make good choices. Now, sometimes things happen and, and you know, that's that's fine that we that we can't control and that's fine. Um, but. There are so many things in life. If we step back and just make wise choices, uh, they have they have incredible results. And that's kind of the theme in Charlie's life as he grew up learning to be independent and, and have a strong work ethic and having to make choices about work and school and the performance group and and then choosing to to pursue his education at Purdue and choosing to to work in this business, this painting business, and choosing to to take risk over and over again to get him to where he is today. What a great story. What a great guy. Uh, I learned an awful lot from him. I hope you did too. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to Crossing the Line. I hope that you have enjoyed it. I hope that you've gotten some uh, nuggets of of wisdom and uh, leadership help. Uh, But I truly hope that you will continue to make a difference in the lives of those you love, live with, and lead. We look forward to you joining us again on Crossing the Line.